good morning. Give me just a second while I grab my um, fancy. I'm not like Craig. I don't, I'm not going to use the table this morning. So I mean, I am for my Bible, I guess. How are we doing? Are you ready for the Advent season? Are you ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas? You guys are really like awkwardly quiet. Are we not ready? <laughs> Well, I um, am excited. I'm Pastor Nicole, by the way, if you uh, don't know who I am. I am the Youth and Families Pastor here at Generations Community Church. I'm excited this morning because if you didn't notice as you were walking in, especially for those of you who are watching us online this morning, as you came in, you probably saw uh, Malin's wonderful Thanksgiving thankful uh, photo booth. Did everybody see that as you walked in this morning? It's out in the lobby. Make sure you get a selfie. Uh, but right next to it, how many of you saw the Christmas decor in the middle of the lobby? Everybody saw that? I'm not even remotely upset about this. I think this is wonderful that we're doing this early. Um, in fact, I could see myself sitting on this couch later this week uh, working up here instead of in my office with a cup of coffee. Um, I, I, I just think this is too fun, and I have to be honest with you. In case you didn't catch the saga that was my social media uh, post, my Instagram and Facebook posts over the last couple of weeks, I was kind of done with fall and ready for Christmas. I told my husband that I really wanted to decorate my home for Christmas. It was time. Uh, and for a couple of days, he pushed that away. Uh, so uh, I officially got him to let me do it about two weeks ago, I think. Um, we started small, I did the kitchen. Last night, we had, we had the tree up, but I finally got all the, the ornaments on the tree. Um, and I've been blaming it on the fact that the kids, and Adam and I, are going down to my parents this week for Thanksgiving. And while we're down there, we're going to be uh, celebrating Christmas. So I have been telling people, you know, and especially the teens, because they're all mad at me right now. Uh, I've been telling them that I have to get the kids, like, excited about Christmas, because we're celebrating it a little early with my parents. But the truth is I would have started early even if we weren't going down to Oregon to visit my parents this week. Um, I love Christmas. I could pretty much skip over Thanksgiving and be okay heading straight into the Christmas season, honestly. Um, I was kind of like this as a kid as well, although I do love all the sides to Thanksgiving dinner. I love stuffing. I love mashed potatoes. I love green beans. Um, I don't actually like turkey. Anybody else, kindred spirits? Yes, don't like turkey, <laughs> pretty much at all. If I grab the dark meat and close my eyes and pretend it's chicken, I can almost get there. But alas, turkey is not my favorite. And so, turkey day, now I know that it's not just about the turkey dinner, but as a kid, that's kind of what you remember, right? Turkey day was not my favorite day. I also thought it was, um, kind of a silly tradition to go around the table and say what you were thankful for each year. As a kid, I remember thinking, we just say the same things over and over. I'm thankful for my family and for my job and for God. And I, and I felt like it was just a chore to have to do this, honestly. I don't think I ever truly took into account what I was thankful for when we did this as a kid. I also didn't want really to talk about what I was thankful for. I didn't really like, like when it was my turn, I felt awkward. Um, all that to say... Thanksgiving growing up was not my favorite holiday. And I didn't um, really like this holiday. And I, and I would have been just fine just if we skipped it and moved right on to Christmas. 
So when Craig, Pastor Craig asked me to preach the Thanksgiving sermon this year, I kind of laughed internally uh, because of how much I didn't like Thanksgiving growing up. Um, so, but I, I, I dug down to the recesses of, of my mind, and, and I, hopefully uh, God has given me a word. But the more I thought about Thanksgiving and being thankful, I started to realize that being thankful happens because of the joy we have felt in various moments over the last year. I mean, think about it. Anytime you felt joy, you were probably thankful, right? And sometimes I think we forget about the things that once brought us joy. And so when someone asks you what you are thankful for, sometimes for a moment you go blank. And you have to try to dig into the recesses of your mind to pull something out as an answer. I think this concept of um, or connection of, of joy and thankfulness is key. And we see that in the passage I'm going to read for you this morning. Um, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, so the Old Testament. And you see in this book, um, we are getting a picture, a glimpse of God's people returning from exile in Babylon. And God's continued faithfulness to his covenant people. And as we read this book, we have to note that the author, Ezra, wanted his readers to understand what had happened in Jerusalem as the exiles returned. He wanted them to understand the fact that Jerusalem had been a place of ruins, weeping and despair. And restoration needed to happen. Joy needed to happen. God's people needed a win. And their prayer was heard as Nehemiah leads in the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem, which led to the repopulation in Jerusalem and a wall dedication. And that's where we pick up this morning in the um, book of Nehemiah, chapter 12. And I'm going to be starting with verse 27. I hope you'll join me in this reading. Uh, if you have your, your hard copy Bible, like me, you can pull that out. Uh, if you use uh, the Bible app, or even if you have the church app, there's a Bible in there. Um, so let's read together the word of God in Nehemiah 12, 27. Bear with me, as there are a lot of names of places and people, and I don't always pronounce them correctly, but bear with me. Let's get it through together. Nehemiah 12, 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netophathites, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmaveth. For the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right toward the dung gate. Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, as well as some priests with the trumpets. And also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zakur, the son of Asaph, and his associates. Shemaiah, Azarel, Melali, Gilali, Mai, Nathanael, Judah, and Hanani with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent of the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall over the gate of Ephraim, the Jeshanah gate, the fish gate, the tower of Henanel, and the tower of the hundred as far as the sheep gate. 
At the gate of the guard, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I, together with half the officials, as well as the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Miniamin, uh, Micaiah, Elanai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with their trumpets, and also Messiah, uh, Shemamiah, Eleazar, Uzai, Jehonanan, Melchizedek, Elam, and Ezer. The choir sang under the direction of Jezariah, and on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Can everybody take a breath? <gasps> okay. <laughs> the passage this morning, uh, if you get past all of the names that I probably butchered, is full of joy and excitement and just plain fun with their harps and their lyres and their cymbals. But the reality is, is that it was previously met with weeping and despair. There is a pattern in the Old Testament, if you read it through all the way to the coming of Jesus, of God's people running towards God and following him. And then eventually they kind of take matters into their own hands and they turn away from God. God then gives grace and love and eventually they make their way back to the one. Only to go right back to old patterns and habits, which eventually leads to falling away from God again. But God is constant. God gives grace and love over and over and over again. Sound familiar? I have to wonder that in the midst of all of this, in the midst and the seasons where they fall away and they're doing their own thing, that they forget all that God had done for them. They forget God's faithfulness until, that is, God saves them yet again. Then they praise him and they pull out all the stops with the harps and the lyres and the cymbals. So before this passage, they had just endured extreme hardships. They experienced Jerusalem as a place of ruins and as a place where weeping and despair had taken form in their lives. You can read about this actually in the book of Lamentations and God's people are crying out to the Lord. They say things like, how deserted lies the city when so full of people. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. And it goes on and on like this for like four chapters with moments of remembering who God is and what God had done for them in the past. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the ones who seek him. This all happens and, and it culminates in chapter 5 of Lamentations of, of God's people crying out to the Lord and asking in verse 21, restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return, renew our days of old. Lord, bring about restoration, not just in Jerusalem, but also in our relationship with you. Give grace yet again as you have done so many times previously. I truly believe that God's people would go through life a lot like us and forget about all the little things that God does that deserves our thanksgiving. It's easy to praise God and find joy in the big moments, in the good moments, in the moments where God seems to show up in mighty ways. But if you read scripture, God did show up all the time. There were seasons where God, God's people felt like he was nowhere to be found. But God was there. God is there. 
God still deserved thanksgiving and worship and joy even in the crummy situations that his people endured, which is way harder, by the way, to give thanks in those crummy situations. We are entering the Thanksgiving season this week, and I wonder if you are a lot like me, at least the me years ago, where Thanksgiving approaches, and you just know that at some point on Thanksgiving Day, you are going to sit around a table with family members or family members, and at some point, it's going to be your turn to say what you are thankful for this last year. I wonder if you are like me, and you are already, like right now, starting to think and rehearse what you're going to say, because you want it to be good, and you want to be confident in what you're thankful for. And you don't want to be sitting there in silence and fumbling over your words, trying to figure out what it is you are thankful for from this past year. Or maybe you will just say what you said last year because you are thankful for your family and for your job and for the way that God works in your life. (coughs) Now, don't get me wrong. November is a great month. It's a month where many people take on the thankful challenge. If you've heard of that, it's uh, a lot of it's on social media and and in general, and they focus on 30 things, 30 days that they are thankful for this month or over the past year. And it gets the ball rolling, so to speak, in getting our hearts uh, to be thankful and figuring out where there was joy in our lives over the last year or throughout this month, depending on how you do the challenge. But I have to wonder, are we practicing regular Thanksgiving and joy in our lives each and every day? or even just more throughout the whole year? Are we thanking God for all the things, all the things that have happened, or for the things that even haven't happened yet? My mom's favorite prayer, um, and something that I've tried to adapt in my life, is thanking God for the things that have, has not happened. The ways that God is going to work, but it hasn't happened yet. I think Thanksgiving can be hard for many of us. Maybe you are like me, and Thanksgiving is hard because you simply don't like turkey. But maybe it's hard because you don't really like the people you have to spend it with. Maybe it's hard because you don't have anyone to spend it with and that reminds you that you are lonely. Maybe it's hard because this last year has sucked. Maybe a lot of crummy things have happened to you or people you know and it's been hard to find all the reasons to find joy and be thankful to God. Holidays can actually be very difficult for many people. But what I love about the text this morning is that it teaches us that joy and worship and thanksgiving isn't a one time or a one season each year or one day sort of thing. But that it should be a habit. And there are definitely ways to make it a habit. In the book of Lamentations that we just talked about, um, God's people, after going through a terrible time, cried out to God and gave a plea for restoration. And in the text we read this morning in Nehemiah, this plea was heard. God brought restoration, as God does. God brought grace and love, as God does. And so God's people worshipped and praised him as they should. You may have noticed this morning that I have been using both the terms thanksgiving, thankfulness, and joy kind of interchangeably. I think these two go hand in hand. And we see this in the passage, um, all over this passage, if you get past all of the names. Verse 27, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully 
the dedications with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. Verse 31, I had the leaders of Judah go on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. Verse 43, and on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. I just love that. They were, they were so excited. They were so full of joy that they were so loud about it that they could be heard far away. I hope that we are loud with our joy. There are some key things to take away from this passage. Number one, joy is God-centered, and it comes from God. In this passage, we see that joy came, and they worshipped in loud and awesome ways because they were in God's presence. They knew that restoration came only from God, and so in God's presence, there was joy for what God did. But not only did joy come because they were in the presence of God, but joy came because joy literally comes from God. God gives joy. On that day, they gave thanksgiving. They gave sacrifices, rejoicing, finding joy because God had given them great joy. Joy comes from him. Two, joy comes in remembering God's faithfulness. Leaders and choirs proceeded around the wall, giving thanksgiving to the Lord. But not long before this, seeing the wall and really God's people had been broken down, the city empty, and the word of God not really heard or understood. And yet, all of those there would have remembered how the Lord had walked alongside them, had protected them, had given them grace and love and enabled them to finish the work to bring about restoration, both in the city of Jerusalem, but also in relationship with God. God had been faithful over and over and over with his people, and they knew this. They remembered this. And remembering his faithfulness fostered the joy they felt, which in turn produced thanksgiving to God. Number three, and you can probably guess this one, but joy comes with thankfulness. When there is joy, there is feelings of being grateful and thankful for the joy. But also when they were thankful for the ways God worked, joy was produced. We see in verse 27 that the focus on God and the remembrance of what God had done for them came with hearts that were thankful. Thankfulness fosters joy. The Lord dwelt among Jerusalem and his people once again. I wonder this morning, does the Lord dwell within you? Does the Lord give you joy? Are you thankful for the ways that God works in your life day in and day out, even in the really difficult situations? How is joy fostered in your life? How is joy a habit in your life? Joy is God-centered and it comes from God. I don't know where everyone's at in this room right now in their relationship with God and in your journey. But I do know that we go through seasons where we are close with the Lord. But we also go through seasons where we seem more distant. And we forget to find the joy that God brings about in our lives. But as we see in this passage this morning, joy comes from being in the very presence of God. God dwells in you. 
So are you dwelling with God? In the mornings when it's quiet before anyone in your home is up, and for me that's about two minutes, are you spending time with God? When you come to church and you're surrounded by other believers and the worship music and everything that comes with being at church, are you with God? When you are doing chores, when you are taking care of screaming and whiny children, and it doesn't matter if they are 5 and 1 like mine or 25 and 40 years old, when you are spending time with family, when you are busy working, when you are making food for your family, when you are out running errands, when you are with friends, are you with God? God is always with you. God adores you. God loves you. God is where your joy comes from. So if you want to foster a life of joy and make joy a habit, then you have to be with God. You have to allow God to bring the joy. Joy comes in remembering God's faithfulness. Trust me, I know that we go through moments or days or weeks or even months where we kind of forget a little bit that God is faithful. In my last sermon, if you were here, I talked about the anxiety that I faced this last year and panic attacks. And in those moments, I kind of forgot a little bit that God was faithful. I had to be reminded of that. But God is constant. God is faithful. And remembering that God is faithful fosters joy. We do forget this as we get caught up in the stuff of life. But we must remember. So how do we do that? I think by saturating our hearts and our minds and our lives in, the, in God's presence. If we are finding joy and finding God while we fold laundry, make dinner, dealing with family members and generally the mundane things in our lives, when the big stuff happens, the hard stuff, I believe we have cultivated a habit and a lifestyle of joy. And that can only come from God. And so it'll be easier to remember the ways that God has been faithful and can give us joy. Saturate your life with God through being in his presence, through being in scripture, through being in prayer. And also, I think, saturate your life with God's people. People that can talk to you and people you can talk to and help one another with reminders of the ways that God has been faithful day by day. You will find joy in remembering the ways that God has been faithful in all the phases of life. The easily joyful phases, right? There are moments in our lives that it's easy to be joyful. The hard phases. There are definitely moments in our lives where it is way harder to find joy. And the mundane places. It's really hard for me to find joy folding laundry. Okay. There is a pile, uh, actually I did it yesterday, but there was a pile on our bedroom floor of clean clothes that had been sitting there for about three or four days, right Adam? And uh, <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's a bad habit, but I, I have a hard time finding joy, <laughs> folding laundry, it's not fun. But I have uh, had moments where I will pray while I fold laundry, and in those moments I find joy. I have a hard time finding joy when two little kids are running around my house chaotically and screaming and crying and <laughs> it's more stress than joyful but we need to find joy in those moments too God is faithful there you can find joy and thanksgiving 
Joy comes with thankfulness. By focusing on God and seeing God at the center of our lives and remembering how God is faithful, we find ourselves to be thankful. And when we are thankful for the things in our lives and the way that God works, the ways that God is present, we find joy in what we are thankful about. You don't have to tell a bride or a groom on their wedding day to rejoice, I hope. You don't have to tell brand new parents as they look over their newborn baby to rejoice. You don't have to tell a child sitting over a big bowl of ice cream to rejoice. Similarly, you didn't have to tell God's people in Jerusalem to rejoice when they were faced with the ways that God showed up and they were thankful. They just did. And I believe it became a habit for them. My prayer for you all is that joy would become a habit for you. A lifestyle of thankfulness would be prevalent in all of our lives as we go through each phase of life. When God gives joy, when we are in God's presence, when we remember God's faithfulness, joy becomes a habit. Uh, I recently read a quote by Bob Goff. Uh, Some of you may not know who Bob Goff is, and that's okay. He's a a preacher, he's a pastor and author, and he's hilarious. Um, And he, when he preaches, uh, sometimes it's hard to follow him, I think, because he's kind of all over the place. Um, But he has, like, these nuggets that are so awesome. When you hear it, you're like, oh, i got to write that down. And I recently read a quote by him, when joy is a habit... Love is a reflex. Love that. When joy is a habit, love is a reflex. I love that it all comes back to love. The love that God shows us. The love that God freely gives. And because of that, we too can love. Love God and love others. But we have to remember and not forget and be thankful for God. In all the ways that God loves us. In all the things. Even when it's hard. Even when we've had a really difficult year. God has loved us through that. Even when it's, if it's been a really great year, God has loved you through that. Even if it's been a year where not much has happened. And you're not really sure what to put on your Christmas card this year. God has loved you through that. This last week, Jackson was driving me a little nuts. Jackson's my five-year-old son. Uh, He had a few days off of school, um, too many days off of school, and he was bored. (laughs) And I had to get things done around the house and for work, and um, so I gave him a trash bag, and I told him to go to his room and start picking out all the toys he doesn't really play with anymore or doesn't want anymore and put them in the trash bag. Not to throw away, but to gift away to uh, another child. We would um, take the trash bag full of toys and give them away so other kids could have them. And I thought, this is good. This will give him something to do. It will keep him busy. And he's going to bless some other kids. I generally am the one who goes into his room um, periodically, sneakily, and I take away all the toys that he hasn't played with in a while, and then I gift them away. Um, But this time I thought, this will keep him busy, and he'll learn something in this, right? And plus I can hopefully get some things done. And so um, he did. He came back out about five minutes later (laughs) with only three toys in the bag. And I looked at him and I asked him, really? 
That's all you want to give away? It seems to me that you have more to toys than that that you don't really play with anymore. The kid really just plays with his tablet. I'm so thankful that that tablet has a time limit um, that I can control. Uh, but he plays with that and he forgets to play with his toys, right? And so I thought, there's got to be more toys. And he looked up at me and with tears welling up in his eyes, he just broke down crying and telling me that he would miss his toys, the toys he doesn't even play with. <laughs> he forgot all the ways those toys could bring him joy if he just spent time with them. That those toys have been proven to be faithfully good toys, you know, some of them withstand a lot of beating up. And he forgot to be grateful and thankful for all the toys he had been given over this last year. God gives. God loves. I think this is us sometimes. I think we forget to find the joy that comes from God in the midst of all the things. In the crappy things, in the good things, in the mundane things. And we, too, can break down sometimes when we realize the ways that maybe we've forgotten to give praise and thanksgiving to God. The ways that God brings us joy. I've done it. I've remembered all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I should probably have thanked God for that. My hope and prayer for us all as we finish out this year and head into the next year would be that we would be mindful to be thankful each and every day and not just for a month or moments, or a certain day that revolves around thankfulness. My hope and prayer is that we would be with God, that we would be in God's presence in, in all of the phases, in all of the moments, in the, in the really difficult moments, in the really good moments, in the really mundane, folding laundry, making dinner sort of moments. That we would remember all the ways that God is faithful. I hope you will remember all the ways that God is faithful for you. I hope that we would be thankful for the joy that God brings. The joy that comes from God. My hope and prayer is that joy will become such a habit in our lives. And because of that, our reflex will be love for God and for others. I pray that we would do something with that joy and do something more in our relationship with God and the way we live that out in the lives of others. I especially think of those in our community, those that might not know who Jesus is. My hope is that our joy would be such a habit and that it would be overflowing from the Lord that, that love would be such a reflex that those in your life who might not know Jesus and we all know people who don't know the Lord yet, would see what God is doing in your life in all the seasons, in the good and the bad, and would want some of that joy. I think of dear friends of ours who have had really incredibly difficult situations happen to them in the last couple of years, and they have continued to follow after God and Thank God and find joy in the midst of the hurt. And I learn more from that sometimes than I do from those who are just having a good year, right? So I hope that no matter where you're at, joy would just permeate through you. That it would just be overflowing from the Lord. And so that those who don't know who the Lord is would want some of that joy.
some of that love, all the love, all of Jesus. I'm going to pray for us this morning, and the band's going to work their way back out. My hope and my prayer for you all, like I said, is that you would find joy this year, this coming year, not just this week, not just on Thanksgiving Day, and not just in the Advent season uh, of December, but 2020 is almost upon us. My hope is that you would find joy and that you would thank God every day for something, whether it be really big or really small. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for uh, meeting us here in this space. Thank you for dwelling within our lives and our hearts. I pray that you would, um, that you would help us to remember all the ways that you are faithful, all the ways that you love us, all the ways that you give us joy. I hope and pray that you would um, guide us this year. I pray that our joy would be so overfilling that love would be a reflex, and those that don't know you would come to know you this year because of the way that you love us and give us joy. God, we ask these things in your heavenly name. Amen.